Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. All right, now before you sign up to be a part of all this, you kind of need to know what all this is about, right? So that's what I want to do today. I'm going to take on the mammoth task of running you through, and we're going to go fast. We're going to run through um, our, uh, our mission as a church, our five values as a church, and our 10 vision targets as a church. It's going to move. We're going to move quick. This was supposed to be two weeks, but last week I felt like I should talk about the previous two weeks because God's been doing so much. So we got to do it all in one week today. And some of y'all think I already talk fast. You ain't seen nothing yet. Now, here's the deal. If you're like an old timer here, you've been here for a while, uh, hopefully this will just be encouraging to you. A lot of familiar language, bring you hope in the future of our church, right? But if you're new here, this is the perfect Sunday for you to be here. I want you to like fire hose soak in this today. Don't get hung up on any particular, just take it, right? And I want you to ask yourself as I talk, is this the sort of community that I want to be a part of? Is this the sort of community that I could benefit from? Is this the sort of community I want to raise my kids in? I think what you might find is, the answer to that is yes. All right. Ready for this? Buckle up. Let's start with the mission. Our mission in Northeast is to unleash the love of Jesus Every day, everybody, everywhere, in the home, workplace, city, church, school, any arena of life that God takes you. Now, uh, I believe that there are two core human impulses that uh, I'm seeing lots of people in our culture make as their mission right now. Two core human, one of them is social, one of them is personal. The social impulse is, uh, oh, it sounds something like this, I want to change the world. That's my mission. I want to make a difference. I want to leave the world a better place. That's what I'm after in life. You ever heard of this one before? A lot of people pursuing that as the purpose of their life. Uh, The other one is personal. It sounds something like this. I want to be happy. I want to experience joy. I want to discover my purpose. I want to live the good life because that's what life is all about. You ever heard somebody say that before? Lots of people after that as literally the mission, the purpose of their life. Now, here's the good news of Christianity. As Christians, we actually believe you can do both. But the path to them, the path to making a real, like, lasting difference, and the path to living a life of joy actually goes straight through Jesus. Got to go through him to get there. You got to make his way your way, his truth your truth, his life your truth, uh, uh, his, uh, his life your life, because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, right? So let me say it like this. If you want to change the world, the best way to do that is not primarily through uh, workplace dominance or activism or invention or art or technology or justice or medicine or any of the things that people are throwing their lives into today. Politics, not through any of that. It's actually through taking Jesus into those realms, all of them so that people might be reached with his love on an individual level and communities might be transformed by his love at a social level, you see? Or how about this, if you wanna be happy, 
The best way to find happiness and joy is not by following your heart or taking better vacations or making more money or going on a silent meditation retreat once a year or, uh, you know, getting more followers on Instagram, CBD-infused almond butter. Saw that one this week. Um, it's not where you're going to find joy, at least not lasting joy. It's through following Jesus and becoming a person of love. Through, through that, that's on the other side of that, that's where joy is found. Uh, so uh, let me diagram it for you. Uh, Jesus, ex- ex- he expressed his love missionally, I believe, through uh, two outlets. Okay, uh, one is, uh, is personal and the other one is social. We might call the personal outlet of his love uh, evangelism. Heard of it? And we might call the social outlet of his love justice. We could explain this in, in many ways. On this side you have proclamation. Oh boy, I am, is, that, is it an A there? Spell check generation. Proclamation. Um, on this side you have compassion. Right? On this side you have uh, spiritual conversion. On uh, this side you have uh, social action. This, this is how Jesus brings his love to the table. Now what I found is that a lot of churches uh, tend to lean to one side or the other, right? Really, really hard. Like some churches will, will lean really hard to the justice end of the spectrum. And they'll say, almost to the, the denigration of evangelism. Like evangelism is not a good thing. It's actually a bad thing. You should just love people. All right, if you're just loving people in order to like preach the gospel to them, then they're not people at all to you. They're projects. So you should just love them. There's no judgment anyways at the end, right? Which by the way, if there's no judgment, how in the world can justice exist? That's another sermon, right? But they lean really, really hard this way. On the flip side, you have other uh, you know, churches that lean really, really hard towards evangelism and there's no point for justice outside of evangelism. Like why in the world would we ever feed the hungry man if he's just gonna go to hell anyways at the end of the day? So we should slide him a gospel tract and that'll fix it. Now here's the thing. This is what I love about Jesus, all right? Jesus has this... Uh, this incredible way of just diagonalizing all the dualisms, all the polarizations, all the divisions that we find in our culture or, or what we might call, uh, I like to call, he, he kind of transcends the fray. He shows us a third way that actually takes the best, usually both sides of the argument and embodies it in his way. So to speak plainly for Jesus, it's a both and not an either or. You see? Uh, Jesus' kingdom establishes what we might call here spiritual justice, which is giving sinners what they don't deserve, grace and forgiveness. And also social justice, which is giving the least what they do deserve, love and dignity. But it's both. Read his life. Jesus gives special attention to two groups of people, the spiritually lost and the socially marginalized. And so should we. 
So at Northeast, when we say, we unleash Jesus's love, this is what we mean. We do it through evangelism, through spiritual conversion. We tell people the gospel, the good news of how Jesus has changed us because the most loving thing you could do for anyone is to introduce them to Jesus. But we also do it through justice and social action. We give people what they deserve as image bearers created by God and then died for by Jesus with a special eye for the poor, the marginalized and the children in our community. And we do it every day, everybody, everywhere. Got it? That's the mission. You can clap, it's good, it's good, it's a good mission. It's a good mission. Um, a quick, quick straw poll, okay, quick straw poll. Uh, raise your left hand if you like seeing people get baptized. Okay, keep it up. Raise your right hand if you like it when we care for the poor. Okay, keep it up. Keep both hands up if you like Jesus. Okay, so you should be a stakeholder because you love the mission of church. Okay, it's great. You just volunteered. <laughs> Next week, sign the covenant. All right, continuing on. Uh, let's go to our values. Uh, we have five values. Leadership 101 definition of a core value is something that you choose for your organization that will drive behavior. It'll drive the way you think, drive the, the way that you make decisions, right? So we have five core values as a church. Um, again, a lot of these will be familiar to many of you. Value number one is love for neighbor. Love for neighbor. Why? Well, because Jesus himself says, Jesus is always why, right? Jesus himself says that if you get love right, you can't go wrong. In Matthew 22, uh, verse 35, it says an expert in religious law tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus re replied this. He said, uh, love, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is uh, equally important. It's actually the same. Love, it's love again. This time, different audience. Your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says this, how much of the law? The entire law, the entire law. How much of the prophets? All of them, all the demands of the prophets are actually based on these two commandments. So Jesus gives us a priority list here, doesn't he? Can I make this smaller? There we go. He gives us a priority, come, come here, come here, there we go. He gives us a priority list here. Um, he says, uh, uh, priority uh, 1A is uh, love God, Priority 1B is, uh, is love others. And quick question here. If love God is 1A and love others is 1B, where does love me fall on that list? Well, no higher than number three, right? But that's what it looks like to live a cross-shaped life. On the cross, we see Jesus fully Loving God through his obedience to God's way. On the cross, we see Jesus laying down his life in love for all of us. This is the way. Now, I'll tell you what, this is one of the great contradictions of our culture right now. Um, in our culture today, we want like a utopian community of love, right? Like everybody's just, and you can even, I, I'm for that, by the way. I like utopian communities of love. Would love to see that. You can even say it like that and I'll be for it. Of love, it's great. Um, Here's the problem though, we want that, but we are simultaneously obsessed with self-expression, self-autonomy, and self-determination. And the two just don't mix. 
I get to decide who I am. I do what I want without your permission. I follow my heart and find my truth. You can't take my freedoms. You can't take my rights. You can't tell me what to do. I do me, you do you. I am my own authority. Now look, when every individual in a community takes that sort of radical individualistic mindset into their lives, that is not the recipe for a utopian community of love. It's the recipe for unhealthy community. It's the recipe for loneliness, division, injustice, prejudice, tribalism, polarization, and broken families. Sound familiar? Self-centeredness and self-sacrifice just don't play nice together. And our culture is a case study in this. That's why people are literally doing whatever they want and they're miserable. Now, uh, as Christians, to be clear, we believe we have self-autonomy. We have this thing, this gift from God called free will, right? Uh, But like Jesus, what we do is we choose with our own free will to leverage it for the sake of others. We leverage our lives for others. We choose cross-shaped love because we believe that it is the path to resurrection life, not just on Easter 2,000 years ago, but even still today. So at Northeast, just to be clear, we will love you. We will love you. No matter who you are, uh, no matter where you're from, no matter the color of your skin, uh, your cultural background, your language of origin, no matter your sin history, like what you did last year, last month, last week, last night, doesn't matter, we will love you. You may slander us, we will not slander you. You may hate us, we will not hate you. You may be a Muslim or a Hindu or a Jew or you know, an agnostic. You might be an atheist. You may die an atheist and we will show up at your hospital room and come to your funeral and mourn your loss because you will have been someone that we loved. Why? Because you are precious in the eyes of God as an image bearer. Jesus died for you and we believe that the best expression of godliness is to love you even still. It's the unconditional cross-shaped love of Jesus. It is our first value as a church. So we will love you. Value number two, faithfulness to the truth. I put these two next to each other, by the way, on purpose. Love for neighbor and faithfulness to the truth. Because we believe at Northeast that love and truth can coexist in the same spaces. They can. You can disagree with someone and still love them deeply. Trust me, I do it every week, even with my wife. So like you don't have to compromise uh, love in order to stand for the truth, as some might tell you. You don't have to compromise, uh, you know, the truth in order to deeply love someone, as some will tell you. Both can happen. Now, as Christians, uh, particularly here at Northeast, we look for truth. We believe we find the truth in Scripture, uh, the Bible. We have a very high view of the Bible here, always have. And the reason why is because Jesus, again, Jesus is why, he's why underneath all this. Because see, Jesus had a very high view of scripture. Sometimes I don't understand how people today can be like, well, I really like Jesus, but I don't like the Bible. I'm like, how does that work? Because Jesus endorsed the Old Testament. His life is primarily recorded in the gospels. He commissioned the apostles who write the rest of the New Testament. Like, this is his story. It's his story. He was born seemingly illegitimate to a nobody. 
Uh, and then he was raised in a hick town called Nazareth, working construction. Yet somehow, by the age of 30, he knew the scriptures. He was untrained in homiletics, but he spoke with authority. He was but a young man, yet he was able to challenge the religious elite and, uh, elite and comfort people who were going through all sorts of dire suffering with such wisdom and care. He did miracles, sometimes in front of thousands. He healed people sometimes all day long in country villages. There was something about him, something divine, something unstoppable. And people noticed, this might be the Messiah, they thought. So people left their jobs to follow him. Crowds formed to listen to him. People were ready to die for him. And because of that, the powerful felt like he was a threat. Because he was. And so they killed him. The political and religious leaders of Jesus' time tortured him to death. A willing victim of brutal injustice was he on a Roman cross. And in that moment, on the eve of Good Friday, the revolution grinded to a screeching halt. For about two nights. Then all of a sudden, person after person, hundreds upon thousands of people began to claim He's risen from the dead. I saw him. He appeared to me. A crowd of 500 people proclaimed. He appeared to us. James and Judah, two of his brothers, who literally thought he was crazy when he was ministering, all of a sudden said, he appeared to us. Our brother is the Lord of all. We've seen him with our own two eyes. And so Jesus' closest friends thought, this is unbelievable. We gotta write it down. And they did. The story was too great. God was doing something in the middle of history and everyone around the world needed to hear it. Everyone of all time needed to know it. And these stories began to circulate all over the Roman Empire at an unprecedented rate. They spread like wildfire. It didn't matter that it cost mounds of money or time to make copy after copy. It didn't matter that people had to take months out of their life to carry a letter from Paul or a copy of a gospel across the empire. It didn't matter that... Uh, you know, 90% of the people back then were illiterate anyways. It didn't matter that the story was so dangerous that it could cost many people their lives. The story of Jesus found in these documents was just too good to allow to be, uh, be silent. So they spread it. The stories were inspired, they thought. They had authority. They had real power. And why? Not because the Bible came floating down to us in a golden beam. Like, oh, it's not what we believe. It's because Jesus, Jesus is why. Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. Then he rose from the dead. The Bible didn't give us Christianity. Make no mistake. Jesus the Christ gave us Christianity and the Bible. It's his story. And his ageless wisdom, his stunning intellect, his eternal perspective, his mysterious commands, and his countercultural vision are recorded in the library we call the Bible. It's our sacred text. It's the story of our God and our spiritual ancestors. And we do not assume that our reason or our moral sense in the enlightened 21st century is somehow better than the billions of people to come before us who validated this book or the God above us who inspired it. We submit to it and allow it to be the authority of our lives. We are faithful to the truth, even when it's hard, that is value number two. How you doing? We good? We're going too slow. Um, quick, again, let's straw poll. Raise your hand if, um, if you're kind of into love. Other hand, if you're into truth. You should be a stakeholder. Look at you. All right. Now, uh, missional intentionality, value three. 
missional intentionality. We believe that followers of Jesus uh, see his commission as their daily work. Uh, Jesus gave us a mission. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew's last words that he puts on the mouth of Jesus are what we call the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, um, I have been given all authority. He's risen at this point. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, so therefore go and uh, make disciples. Now I'm gonna block this, this off right here because this is actually in the Great Commission, the only verb, it's the main verb of it uh, in the original Greek. Uh, the other verbal ideas like go, baptizing, uh, and, and teach, uh, they are what we would call supporting participles. So they support the main verb. So if I were to translate it for you in a way that flowed a little better, uh, Jesus said this, he said, I want you to make disciples. And that looks like going to all the nations, baptizing them in the triune name of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then teaching them everything I've commanded you. And I got good news. I know I'm about to ascend to heaven, but I'll be with you until the end of the age. This is the commission. Now, uh, we're about making disciples here, but we believe uh, you should bring intentionality to it as a follower of Jesus. So we ask everybody who's a part of our church to have, um, to have a Love the Ville playbook is what we call it. This can be an actual book or a journal. Um, it can be a little note on your phone that you just review. It can just be in your head or something that you share with your friends at your weekly coffee or whatever. But we want everyone in our church to have an intentional strategy. You should be asking yourself, home, workplace, or school, youths, city, church, how am I unleashing Jesus' love in each one of these realms? We should be able to ask you, how are you taking Jesus' love into the home or into the workplace? And you should be able to give us a strategy. And by the way, your strategies often aren't what's, they're who's, right? So who are you focusing your prayer and love on in the city? Who in the church? Who at work or who at home? This is what missional intentionality looks like. Value number four is public witness, public witness. Jesus sent his followers to bear witness to him. He sent his followers to bear witness. Here's the other great commission. Matthew gets all the great commission credit, all right? I think this great commission's pretty good too, though. This is Luke's. Jesus' last words, literally moments before he ascends. Uh, he says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon you. Now, make no mistake, after this, Jesus ascends to heaven. And right now, do you know where Jesus is? He heaven, he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father. So the power of God in the world today is the Holy Spirit. Do you know him? You better have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? Everybody talks about a relationship with Jesus. Really our relationship, this, this side of heaven is relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the power that works through us day in and out. So he says, look, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and when you do, you will be my, there it is, witnesses, witnesses. Telling people about me where? Everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, just in case you thought that you didn't have to share the gospel with the people you don't like, you gotta do it with them too, and also to the ends of the earth, public witness. Now, public witness is church speak, so let me break it down even further for you, all right? We believe public witness is just being conscious that every moment of our lives is evangelism, and it is, every moment of your life. The scriptures, after all, call us the body of Jesus. We're the body, again, Jesus is, he's risen and ascended. Now we're his body. 
We are his physical presence in the world. You and I are as close as anyone will get to Jesus this side of heaven, which means people will form their opinions about Jesus based on their encounters with us. So every moment you're telling a story about Jesus. Every moment is evangelism. You see? Now, sometimes evangelism means direct conversations about Jesus. So you should be ready for that. You should be ready to talk about how Jesus is changing your life. And it's literally that easy. Don't let these conversations intimidate you. But also, most of the time, it's not even a conversation about Jesus. It's just day in and day out being an intentional loving presence. The people who are around you. Either way, though, we should constantly be thinking about how we bear witness to the risen Lord. Number five. This is the engine to everything that we've said so far. Our fifth value is intimacy with God. We believe Jesus wants us to live our lives connected with him. Jesus himself said, yes, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do I love the the attitude that you said that with. Nothing. (laughs) But it's true. So we talk about it a lot here. Um, You have to learn how to pray. You have to. Like, you can't just say prayers. It's not something I'm good at, okay? We have to work that. We have to work it. You have to figure out like a medium or some rhythms that work for you to digest scripture. There's so many ways to do it today. There's like podcasts and audio Bibles and journaling Bibles and illustrated Bibles and all the Bibles. Like it's just, there's all sorts of stuff. You have to, to figure out how to restrict your screen intake and also pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Because the voices that we listen to are the voices that disciple you over time. So we have to make sure that we're connected to the vine, to Jesus, to his voice, through his spirit. Because if we're not, we will either compromise, burn out, or wither on the vine. So intimacy with God, it's a value for us. It should drive our daily actions. Shall we summarize this? Quick review. We gotta go faster. Um, You got the mission, you got the values, here they are. Is this at all interesting to you, by the way? We could use our last few minutes to do something else. You still good? Okay, all right. Uh, So we recently rolled out end of last year 10 vision targets that uh, operationalize these. I'm gonna fly through these. But this is what, these are the strategic actions, strategic decisions we're making, filters that we're making through uh, to decide what sort of ministry that we're doing, what we'll invest in. Vision target number one, we will become an equipping hub, an equipping hub that trains people to unleash Jesus' love in their everyday lives. Equipping hub is the key word there, right? Equipping hub. Some churches are not equipping hubs, they're entertainment venues, right? We do not, we think that Sunday mornings should be worship venues and equipping venues, right? So we wanna be an equipping hub. Uh, Some churches uh, use the phrase, you know, we're a hospital for sinners. I like that one but I think it could be even better because hospitals are a centralized location where people come to get care. We wanna be more than that. We wanna be a med school training up all the doctors and nurses to go out and take the care, not wait for the sick and the hurting and the lost to come to us, but take the care to them. So we wanna be an equipping hub. We want people to be able to say that are part of our church for long that they equipped me to confidently take Jesus into the rest of my life, Monday to Saturday, not just on Sunday. Second, we will build a robust communal rule of life so our people grow in intimacy with God. What's rule of life, Tyler? That's 
Christian speak well. It just basically means that I have rhythms. You need both rhythms and restrictions that actually help me resist popular culture because it is intoxicating and connect with God. Now, we've already agreed, stakeholders, that we have a corporate rule of life. You remember this, right? We have one rhythm and one, you can have as many rhythms and restrictions as you want, but if you're a part of Northeast, we have one rhythm and one restriction that we've agreed upon together. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, right? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, the rhythm is, the rhythm is, Daily prayerful uh, reflection on scripture. It's a quiet time. If you're part of our church, we're asking you to figure that out in your life. Daily, and you'll be glad you did, I promise. The restriction is to limit the quality and quantity of your screen intake. And I'm gonna tell you what, you'll be really glad you did if you figure out a way to do that. It's not, it's not gonna be the same for all of us, but we're asking all of us to have at least this rhythm and at least this restriction in our life. Third, we will ensure every person can name their pastor and friends within the church. We want you to be able to say, I have a pastor who knows and loves me and I have some of my closest relationships in this church. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, this will never happen for you if you uh, remain anonymous, if you choose to remain anonymous, and you can in a big church. You can choose to remain anonymous. We've created so many environments for you to connect in though. We got Northeast Basics uh, for new folks here. Sign up for that. We've got community groups of all sorts, men's and women's ministry environments. Uh, we have volunteer serve teams, which is maybe one of the best ways to do this. If you get, if you get plugged in volunteering uh, in a team that you're passionate about, then not only will you be connected to a pastor who knows you, right? But you also meet like-minded friends. Our serve teams are some of the best small groups in the church. I'm just saying. Next, we will continue. Key word here is continue because we're already doing this so well, praise God, to build our reputation as the Love the Ville Church through our social concern. We want people in our city to say that no one loves the poor and the marginalized of the city like Northeast. Those people are everywhere and they're saying it already. They're saying it. I calculated it up um, with our, our finance guy earlier this year. Did you know that since we started collecting an outreach offering in December, 2015, we have collected in some total for outreach causes, $9.3 million. We're gonna, go, we're gonna pass the $10 million mark this year. And that's incredible. That doesn't count all the other giving to general fund as well. That's just incre that's an incredible number. I'm so proud of our church. Uh, we will be a multi-ethnic congregation. Multi-ethnic congregation. We want people to say, people of different colors and cultures are represented in their church, in their partnerships, and in their leadership. Now, quick talk here. We are excellent at this when it comes to our partnerships. Few churches have more multi-ethnic strategic partners than us. We lock arms, serve with, and learn from all sorts of people. But we have major work to do when it comes to our congregation and leadership in the church, don't we? It is not reflective of the immediate community around our church. Did you know that actually the community around our church here is one of the most diverse areas in the city of Louisville? Really? Because most communities are like all white or or all non-white, right? That's not this, that's not this area. This, earth, this area has an, inc an incredible mix of culture, right? And so our church should be reflective of that. We want to do better at that. Now, be encouraged though, be encouraged. Our recent church survey showed that we have 31 different flags represented in our church, 31. USA, Germany, India, Puerto Rico, 
Mexico, Ireland, Nigeria, Poland, Italy, South Africa, England, Greece, Canada, China, Cuba, Sweden, Korea, Chile, Ecuador, the Philippines, Ivory Coast, Finland, Japan, Cameroon, Scotland, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Liberia, Taiwan, Russia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, all represented at Northeast, which is awesome. And let's, let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Can't take your eyes off the ball here. All right, we will lead next in facilitating unity among diverse churches in the Ville. We want people of our community to say they bring all sorts of churches together. There's no spirit of superiority or competition there. Same team, same team. We will invest disproportionately in discipling our youth, especially the most committed. They are the place for you, uh, for your kid to get the sort of intensive discipleship training that they need today. We want that said of our church. We will create thoughtful and beautiful expressions of the kingdom for our community, like the song you just sang before this sermon. Our worship team wrote that for our church. We want folks saying every time they create content, media, art, music, anything, it literally strikes a chord with me. We will be a congregation who knows, honors, and reads the Bible. I grasp the story of the Bible. I respect it as authoritative. I know how to read it. And there's a key. I actually read it, okay? So actually read it. Uh, and last, we will be a people of unceasing prayer. They figured out prayer. Uh, we, pray, we pray all the time, what I'm say. And it's not boring or weird there. It's life-giving. And you know what? I think the last few worship services, we've started to experience some of this, right? So again, let's keep it up. Now, one, two, three, five, seven, nine, ten. There you have it. We gotta go faster. Um, could you imagine being a part of a church like that? I could imagine, I can imagine it, I can imagine it, but we're not there yet. This is where we're heading though. All right, quick deep breath. You've got the mission, you've got the, the values, you've got the vision. So new people, with all that in mind, I have a question for you. Okay. Wanna go out? For real though, like, let's not beat around the bush. This is what we're after next week. Next week, we're gonna ask you to sign a stakeholder covenant. If, if this mission, these values, these vision targets are something that you're like, yeah, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna raise my kids in a community like that. Then next week, we're gonna ask everybody to sign a, a covenant. The commitment is, is simple. Nothing should be surprising on this. You'll say, I commit to being a Northeast stakeholder by living generously, serving sacrificially, engaging in church community, practicing a rule of life, loving the Ville intentionally, home, workplace, city, and church, supporting the mission, vision, values of Northeast, and sharing my faith with people outside the church. For the record, that covenant will be for college and up because high schoolers, you're gonna have your own covenant soon. All right, we're working on that um, ourselves. So uh, there you have it. I hope you'll do it. All right. Every Wednesday, our staff gathers. I don't know if you know this, on Wednesday morning. Uh, and we worship God through primarily storytelling and prayer for about an hour. Um, and it was really cool. This week during our prayer time, um, I had to cut it off like 65 minutes in because people were just sharing stories. We have so much momentum right now. God has, again, he's just compacted like years of life change into a few weeks at our church. And it's amazing. Um, at the 65 minute mark, I was like, all right, we're gonna, we gotta, you gotta go work now, guys. We gotta work. Uh, so let's, Trevor, will you wrap us up in prayer? And Trevor, um, one of our worship pastors, he was like, sure. Heavenly Father, I just wanna use this prayer time to tell one more story. And like he, he prayed a story and I'm like, okay, you know. But that's how many stories we got going, man. It's just amazing. 
Uh, one leader shared at our meeting about a 23-year-old disabled person who is alive today because of the prayers of our church. One leader shared about a teacher that came to Northeast because of one of our blitz days, just blessed her, and uh, recently she decided to start volunteering. Another leader shared about a volunteer who preached to our middle schoolers one Sunday, shared the gospel with them in clear and compelling ways, saw many decisions, this is a volunteer, mind you, and uh, our middle school pastor said he was such a good speaker that he was able to keep even the bum, bum, bum eighth grade boy's attention which is nothing less than water to wine at Northeast. Okay, there was a story of one man who brought 2,400 eggs this week to go for our egg hunt. They were empty. So his wife called him. He came back later, got the empty eggs, filled them with candy, and then brought them back again. Praise God for wives. Uh, we heard, uh, we heard about a small group who met for the first time and got to share scripture with each other. We heard about elementary workers who are scheming right now ways to make, uh, to make this beautiful little boy who um, is on the spectrum in our kids' ministry just feel more welcome and ministered to each Sunday. We heard about the high school winter retreat and all the explosion of spiritual fruit we're seeing among our high schoolers. We heard about 60 babies in our nursery last, uh, last week at our 9 a.m. service. That's a lot of babies. Um, one of our preschool volunteers had over 29 kids in her class. She had other volunteers in there with her, by the way. It just wasn't like one on 29. Um, although this lady could handle it. Ain't that right, Dale? She could handle it. Um, and uh, yeah, okay, I want you to know, most of the people coming to our church right now are families with uh, kids still in the home. So uh, our kids' departments are ripping at the seams. Did you know that almost every week, this is kind of sad, we have to turn uh, families away. They have to bring their kids in here. Uh, because we just have kid to volunteer ratios that we have to keep. Safety's a priority for us. So we need more people to love our kids. Let me say it to you like this. Um, Y'all are creating lots of problems <laughs> these past several weeks, and they're good problems, but we need help. We have momentum, and momentum is hard to get, fun to have, but easy to lose. So stakeholders, Let's take a hold of what God is doing here and steward his blessing well. In fact, today uh, we're gonna sing a couple worship songs here and, uh, and take communion together uh, over the next 15 minutes or so. And um, I, I would just ask you, of course, if you're hurting, carrying burdens, they need prayer, the rugs are open, come on up. But uh, if you are a stakeholder here currently, I want you during this worship time to take a moment to sit, to kneel, or to come to the rugs and kneel before God and pray for our church. Pray that we would steward his blessing well in this momentous moment and also pray that we not forget that Jesus is why. Jesus is why this is happening. Which is our purpose statement, by the way. Jesus is why. Jesus, this is what you'll find out about us. Jesus is why we do everything that we do. If Jesus ain't why we're doing it, we need to stop doing it, right? Jesus is why. And Jesus is doing something among us right now. Uh, so, uh, so let's worship together. Will you stand with me? Oh, Jesus, we worship you. To you, Jesus, the crucified king, we give our applause. Today we sing. It's the song above all songs, the story behind all stories. It echoes through history's cavernous hallways, beckoning all creation to acknowledge the glory. It's the story of the cross, the glory of the cross. My gain, your loss. I've never met another president, prime minister, or king like you. Jesus, we've seen what those hands could do. 
strengthen knees, cure disease, command a tempest into a breeze, give sight to the blind, restore sanity to the mind, water to wine. Yet your last day ends with nails in those hands. Your last day begins at the feet of your friends. From riches to rags, you washed Peter's feet, though later he denied you three times. From riches to rags, you washed Judas's feet, though later he kissed you goodbye. From riches to rags, glory to dust. From above with God to life with us. From next to the Father to a basin and water. Jesus, Jesus, he sees us. King Jesus. You washed your enemy's feet, then you healed your enemy's ear, then you bore your enemy's burden. Nail, nail into the hands that stilled the storm. Nails, nails into the hands. From dust we were formed. They gave you a crown, though be it of thorns. They hailed you as king through jeers and scorns. They raised you high for all to see. They hung you on a tree. It was all for me. All hail, king of the criminals. All hail, king of the lost. All hail, the king of the guilty. All hail, the king of the cross. You worked your way down to the bottom, Jesus. Let there be light, Genesis 1. It is finished, the Gospel of John. The same breath that breathed the universe to life in the beginning is the same breath that sentenced sin to death in the end. You loved your way down to the bottom. From throne room to teenage womb to gloom, then doom, then boom, an empty tomb. And here we are. The people at the bottom, the pain at the bottom. Jesus, you want them, you got them. Jesus, 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 he frees us. Oh, King Jesus, we worship you right now.